0: to total career success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers, to achieve their potential, and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl
1: Dawson.
2: Welcome, this is Ken and Cheryl Dawson with Adrian Lee, business broker and franchise consultant, and we have a fascinating and very informative show for you today with Jobs at a premium and capital-type, franchising is an option that is right for many people. Unlike starting a new business, buying a franchise comes with a proven business plan and process. Unlike buying an independent business whose clients may be tied closely to the current owner, uh, franchises have a sales and marketing process based on a broader branding and customer base. Today we will learn about franchising with expert Adrian Lee. Before we introduce Adrian, we want to share a bit about her background. Uh Adrian is an experienced entrepreneur with over 25 years of business ownership, consulting, management and franchise experience. She is a business transfer specialist with Murphy Business and Financial Corporation, providing business brokerage services as well as assisting clients with t- with the purchase of new franchises. Perhaps the greatest value to clients is in coaching them through the research and due diligence process to ensure that they are a match for the franchise system they're considering, thereby greatly reducing their risk. Adrienne is a partner in a manufacturing business in Houston as well, and she conducts over 50 seminars a year on how to buy and sell a business and has successfully coached hundreds of clients assisting them to reach their personal and professional goals. Adrian has an MBA from the Anderson Graduate School of Management at UCLA and a master's in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. She is the founding president of the Houston chapter of the Association of Career Professionals International and a member of the International Franchise Association. In 2006, she joined CNN's Houston Business Show as a radio commentator and their franchise expert, she is also a president of gray hair management here in Houston. Welcome Adrian. Thank you. Glad you are a busy lady. I am busy. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you took time uh, out of your schedule to to be with us today and it's such a great topic right now with uh, as I said, with the economy where it is. I bet your business is hopping.
3: it is hopping. It's a possibility that people are looking into in greater numbers with the downturn of an
2: economy, I think. So it keeps me running from morning till night. I'll bet. And tell us a little bit how you got into franchising. Uh, we see that you have just a tremendous wealth of experience in in the business arena. But why franchising?
3: Well, I actually fell into this
2: absolutely backwards. I'm like a lot of people who
3: really was looking for a job. And in fact, um, I used to be an outplacement consultant. And when I was working in outplacement and working with people who were going through a career transition occasionally they would come in and say things like, you know, I'm thinking of starting a Subway or I'm thinking of starting a Curves or whatever the franchise might be. And at the time, my attitude was, oh, no, no, wait, that's too risky. We really need to work on your resume. So it's kind of ironic that I went into a business, not only into business for myself, but coaching people about going into business. But I did it because I actually got outplaced from the outplacement industry. And when I did, I started exploring what kind of things I wanted to do on my own. And I was looking at the franchise arena because my background as a management consultant, we train certified and licensed consultants in our methodology. Well, licensing, franchising, that was similar. So I started looking for a job in that industry. And what I found was a company where I could be my own business owner, and assist people in going into franchises themselves. And I really had forgotten looking at things from that perspective. By going into a franchise, I got all the training. I got the support. I had colleagues. I had marketing materials. Everything was done for me. So what I really found is I got all of that training and support that I was used to in the corporate world, but I got all the freedom that I wanted by having my own business. But it was not something that I was looking for. I I really, if someone had asked me if I wanted to, be in business for myself, I wouldn't have shown up for that seminar.
2: <laughs> How interesting. Well,
3: Adrian, uh, we might go uh, ahead, we, back
2: to Basie's here. Uh, Ken, you might have a question, too.
4: Adrian, we, in our book, Job Search the Total System, um, have our, our whole second chapter on independent options or going into something entrepreneurial. Many of our clients, as you know from working us with us in the past, uh, and many of our listeners who are listening right now, have very specific interest in uh, franchising, primarily because they're burnout on companies. Uh, we've heard, as you've heard, so many cases of, gee, I've been through company after company, and I'll six months here and 12 months there and a year there, and and it's never anything permanent, and it's never anything I really, really look forward to, You know, tell me more and more about franchising. For our listeners right now who are very interested in uh, going into that specific group, could you kind of walk them through a game plan in terms of how they would go about doing that?
3: How they would go about finding a franchise business?
4: Yes, well, uh, or going into the franchise uh, business itself or a type of business or a subway shop or something along those lines.
3: Sure. I think the first thing is you really need to create a business model of what is it that you want to be accomplishing. What are your goals? It's that Stephen Covey approach of start with the end in mind. So what are we trying to achieve with this? And typically, what I find people are looking for is they want greater control, they want more freedom, they want more balance in their life. and there's a lot of ways of getting that, and there's a lot of franchises that might be a good fit, but then comes the question, what do you want to do in order to have those things? And that's where the choices really start dividing. And if you really assess your skills and your talents and your interests and your goals and your values, do you want to go to work casually or dress professionally? do you want To work from home or in an office or in a retail location. Those are all the kind of things that someone really wants to take a look at and be very honest. You know, what are your skills? Are you good in sales? Or if if the business has to rely on you for sales, are you going to starve to death? You need to really develop a model of what is it that you will be good at and then go and find franchises that will be a good fit. And one of the biggest mistakes I find people make is that they start the other way around and they get on the Internet. And they start surfing around, and the problem when they do that is they focus on businesses that they already know, or that they frequent as a customer, or ooh, that looks like a hot industry. And the problem is, just looking on the internet, it's really hard to tell what will actually be a good fit for them and what their role as the owner will be.
2: Well, so. I think yeah, exactly. And we talked about this uh, earlier, Adrian, the, the importance of that assessment piece. And Ken, you mentioned Chapter 2. Well, Chapter 1 of the total system is also important because it helps them to think through some of the issues that you're talking about, Adrian. and then as a second layer to look at specifically what their fit is with doing the thing that's independent. Right. And you drew some interesting comparisons between a franchise owner versus somebody who's starting or buying a business. Uh, and having to do, you know, everything related to that.
3: Right. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I was looking at your book with great interest in that regard because I think some of the things that people look at if they're starting an entrepreneurial business truly from the ground up is very different than if they're going into a franchise system. And I occasionally have people say, wow, you know, I took the assessment test, whatever assessment test it may be, and I scored off the charts on entrepreneurial ability. Well, those people may actually not be the best fit for a franchise because a fran- within a franchise, they are going to be required to follow some of the rules and systems that the franchise, actually all of the rules and systems that the or has in place. So while you do get to run your own business and call your own shots, you're calling your own shots within certain parameters. And people that really have that got-to-do-it-my-way spirit may not be really good
2: fits for a franchise. Especially if they have some creative idea that they just want to really build. That would be more of an entrepreneur. And you mentioned a good comparison that the franchise uh, franchisee who would be a good fit would like the systems maybe in the corporate setting that they're coming out of, but maybe they just wanted to have their own business at that point in their career. So they're used to systems and following systems or, or procedures or processes that are already built in.
3: Absolutely. Franchising is
2: really... Entrepreneurship
3: for the corporate soul. It's not entrepreneurship for the entrepreneurial soul.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So when you find people in franchising, they're typically not the serial entrepreneurs. But read any book on entrepreneurship, and those serial entrepreneurs have also failed in business three or four times before they make a success
2: yeah, that's, of the fifth or that's safe. a whole nother show, isn't it? <laughs> well, tell us a little bit more about... Um, You know, how smart or foolish it might be in this kind of economy with the down economy. What are some of the risk potential advantages? There's a lot more interest in the downturn
3: of an economy. The SBA statistics show that any time you have a recession or the downturn of an economy, people do end up going into business for themselves. And I think it becomes a much better option when the job market is limited. And it's also something that people do consider a lot more frequently when they've already lost the job that had that big salary. But I think it really can be a very good time and a good choice. It is harder to find a job. And so getting into something where you can start in a business that is still recession resistant, and that's an important criteria in this economy. Can it survive the recession and then really flourish when the
2: good times return? Well, when we get back, Adrian, we'll cover that a little bit more depth. uh, So don't go away.
1: All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk, talk money, money all the, all the time. time. Voice of America Business
0: earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search the total system now in its third edition and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality one Total
1: System user shared this is without reservation the best advice on job search available I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay go to to www.tcsworldwide.com
0: and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the Total Career Success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and Total Career Success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total Career career. Career success, better job, better pay, better life. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to air at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. Uh, this is Ken and Cheryl, Austin with Adrian Lee, and we're just getting into hot and heavy here into the topic of franchising, uh, something that is uh, can be very lucrative, and uh, depending on your interests, can lead in lots of different directions. And Adrian, you were talking about um, the fit for the current economy, some of the risks and advantages. Let's go into that a little bit more because there's a lot to consider uh, aside from you know whether whether the particular service or uh, product that you're selecting and for the typical fran- uh, franchise would be appropriate in a down economy. Um, it is a consideration. Anytime you look at starting
3: a new business, you want to make sure it's going to be able to get to profitability. So finding something that can flourish in a downturn of an economy is, I think, important. And there are certainly businesses that not only do well but actually excel in the downturn of an economy, and some of them, just as easy examples, could be things like hair salons. Some of the franchised hair salons, people leave the higher-priced salons and go get their hair cut at the less expensive ones. There are things that are certainly recession-resistant and don't change good times or bad, like disaster restoration businesses. Servpro is an example. If someone has a fire or a flood, it really doesn't matter whether the economy is good or bad. They need those services. Mm. Same thing goes for tax preparation franchises. That's a seasonal business, but it's also a business that, you know, kind of goes by the adage there's only two things certain in this life, death and taxes, and those are going to be, need to be done regardless. So evaluating things, I think some of the things that may have a little bit more difficulty starting in this economy are the higher-end things, things that people can live without or the luxuries. So as an example, we've got a number of massage type concepts. it's hard to get a retail franchise up and running, even in a good economy, because it does take more working capital to have that bricks-and-mortar type location. So to now have to put in a lot of capital up front and then have a lot of working capital while you're trying to build the business, it can be harder to ramp up to profitability, particularly in the downturn of an economy when people are saying, you know, do I really need a massage? I, I do need to get groceries, but do I really need a massage? So I think it's a matter of looking at how high-priced the items are also. In the same way that people might want to cut out the massage, they may very well go and pay $3 for that cup of coffee just because that's a luxury they can afford. You,
4: you know, Adrian, one of the things that we uh, oftentimes recommend to our clients is that, and I'm sure you do the same thing, is that you try very hard to get into a for all intents and purposes, a recession-proof business, to the extent there are those. Could you speak to those, those types of recession-proof businesses that you might recommend? Well,
3: aside from the disaster restoration and tax, I'm not sure what's actually disaster, uh, disaster recession-proof. There are certainly things that are more recession-resistant. And some of the other things along those lines are, let's capitalize on some of the long-term trends. And one of the long-term trends is we do have the aging baby boomer population, and that does not mean that everybody needs to run out and go get into home health care, but there are things that the aging baby boomers are more interested in, and some of those things are things like handyman services. Those are things that maybe they've gotten to the point where they can't do for themselves anymore, or after having two working people, they just don't want to be able to want to take the time to do those anymore. A lot of two-career families don't have time to do all of those things themselves anymore. So that's a trend that we're seeing, things that
2: cater to the aging population. Well, I think you're bringing up some interesting possibilities, and probably... uh Uh, services and products that people haven't thought about as being franchised. So isn't that one of the problems people have when they think about franchising? They think, oh, i got hamburgers, you know, and they just think of the ones that are, you know, they see down down the row of the uh, fast restaurants or whatever. It
3: it is. That's probably one of the comments I hear most frequently when I first talk to someone when I ask, have you considered a franchise? Oh, I'm not a franchise kind of guy or gal. It's something that they have a preconceived idea that if they're going into franchising, they're going to have to be flipping burgers. Mm-hmm. And really, food represents an incredibly small portion of the total number of franchises out there. It just happens to be a particularly visible one. That's really where franchising, I won't say it got its start there, Singer Sewing Machines was actually the first franchise in the United really? States. Yep. Wow, that's interesting. That was their way of getting their sewing machines to market. How about that?
2: Well, what are some of the, uh, I mean, it sounds like, um almost any uh, expertise could have potentially a franchise possibility associated with it. So if you're in a finance area, you know, or accounting, or if you're tied to products, whether they might be industrial products or... It
3: can. You know, the things that typically lend themselves best to franchising are not the areas that you would put in the rocket science category because, by definition, franchising is dependent on being able to replicate their systems over and over. So McDonald's does not make the best hamburger in the world. I think we can all make a better hamburger than McDonald's. But I don't know any of us that can develop a better hamburger-selling system. Mm -hmm. So We've got one of the largest corporations in America essentially being run by teenagers. It's a very replicable business because they've broken it down to its smallest systematizable parts. So businesses that will lend themselves to that do very well. But there are things in the world of, I mentioned, tax preparation. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly for the faint of heart or the untrained, but if you have franchise systems in place that will walk people through a software program that will do it, that you can develop success there. And really, in franchising, franchising does not create new industries. Where you get franchise successes is where you have a, a product or a service where there is a lot of demand and where there are a lot of mom-and-pop-type shops in that industry. And then along comes franchising and says, "Aha, uh-huh, well, we could franchise this and we could systematize it and we could make it better and we can compete effectively. And what happens is those franchises start putting the mom-and-pops out of business. And we could debate how right or wrong that is. It's kind of like the walmart of America. But what it does mean is if you have to evaluate for yourself which side of the coin do you want to be on, You probably want to be on the side where you've got the franchisor and all that support behind you as opposed to trying to compete
2: independently. What I found real interesting is uh, in a couple of shows that Ken and I have done recently, we have uh, entrepreneurs who have developed franchising operations for coaching other people to be successful in entrepreneurship. Isn't
3: that interesting? It is interesting.
2: Yeah, And I've seen other coaching models for just uh, life coaching or... uh, you know, even business coaching that have taken that a similar task.
3: There are and the coaching franchises are very interesting because they really do require the person going into that business to have some expertise of their own going in. Exactly. And yet they provide enough systems that one coaching program looks very much like another coaching program within those that same group of franchisees.
2: Well I think one of the reasons the, the coaching The coaches like is because they're usually not marketers and sales people, so they need some help in that area.
3: Well, and they're also usually not experts in all the areas that someone needs help in. If you're going to coach a small business owner, it would be nice if you had expertise in human resources and in marketing and in sales and in accounting and finance to help a business owner with all those areas. And most coaches are good in one of those areas or two, maybe three, but they're not good in all of them. So having the systems there in place can be very helpful.
4: Adrian, one of the areas that always comes up in this kind of conversation is the question of fees or what do franchises cost. Could you kind of walk or listen through maybe the range of fees and uh, anything else that would be helpful to them?
3: Sure. There's two different fees that, well, three different fees that really come up. One is what is the franchise fee? and typically the franchise fee is going to be in the range of 20,000 to on the high end 70,000. Average is around the $30,000 area these days. And the way I've kind of looked at that fee, it's the fee that you pay up front to join the club essentially. But it's also the fee that you pay to take yourself from the 9 in 10 failure rate, which is what a truly entrepreneurial from the ground up business experience experiences to the 9 in 10 success rate which is what franchising experiences. So that's the upfront fee. The other fee that goes along with that is what's the total investment. And the total investment can really range broadly. It can vary from $50,000 on the low end, and that includes the working capital and everything you need to get that business up and running. So you could have a business that's a $50,000 total investment, and you can have a franchise that on the really high end is in the million-dollar-plus investment level. Typically, I would say that service franchises are in the range of the 50000 to maybe the $120,000 area. And the reason that the total investment on those service-based businesses is lower is that you don't have to have a physical bricks-and-mortar location. They could be run from home or an executive suite or a commercial warehouse, something along those lines. It's when you get into retail that you get into the 100000 to, let's call it two hundred and fifty or $300,000 category. And really, there's only about 15% of all franchises in the $300,000 and up category, and those are the larger restaurants, the larger automotive places, hotels, things
2: along those lines. So that investment covers the franchise fee, along with the investment in the brick and mortar. Is that correct?
3: And your working capital.
2: Yeah. So that's okay. It. You
3: should not be. You should not only be able to open the doors with that. You should be able to have enough money to get yourself up to the break-even point.
2: So what percentage typically is actually going to the, the franchise?
3: It depends on the franchise. That's a, that's a hard question. You know, Some franchises like the service-based franchises where you're paying a coaching franchise, for example. You might be paying a $60,000 franchise fee because there's so much intellectual property and they're giving you the key to the kingdom right up front. But you're going to run that business from home. If you have a computer and a fax machine and a phone, you're in business. So what do you need in the way of working capital? So the total investment might only be 75000 So that's a huge percentage
2: of and that. that and then do they, do they have an annual fee as well?
3: In addition to the upfront franchise fee, you're going to pay a royalty to the franchisor. And the royalty is typically 6 to 8% of your gross revenues. And the reason the franchisor takes their percentage from the gross revenues is not so they can get a bigger piece of the pie. They're really taking it as a percentage of gross so that they can keep their hands out of your business. Right. right? You never have to have a discussion. Did you really need that car? Did you really need to hire
2: that employee? You get mm. to run the business the way you see fit, and they take their money off the top. So it gives you a little more flexibility. Now let's go back just for a moment on the success rate because I think we uh, you went over that kind of quickly and we want to make sure that our listeners get the distinction before what is a success rate for typically for a franchisor versus for um, if you start your own business. Right, and
3: according to the SBA, which is one of the reasons that SBA likes loaning on franchises more than on independent businesses, is. If you were to start a truly entrepreneurial business from the ground up, all by yourself, four out of ten will fail in the first year, eight out of ten will fail in the first five years, nine out of ten will be out of business with, within a ten-year time frame. If you look at franchises, at the end of ten years, nine out of ten are still standing.
2: Interesting. So that's a pretty big distinction. It is. It's huge.
4: But now, Adrian, there are uh, franchises that are... And it's much like a rating system. Uh, some are much better than others. Uh, how would an individual, in choosing a franchise, choose those that are the best and are perhaps in, really in line with what it is they want to do? Well, the
3: first thing I would say is talk to a franchise consultant and really get started by working on that business model that says, here's what I said I'm looking for. But the next thing, and the reason I say that, it can really help narrow the field for what is good, what isn't good. We certainly do a lot of research on the franchises before we'll ever agree to represent them. But the other thing that I would say is stay off the best lists. you know, the best of franchising. Those lists are typically either paid for placements or they really focus on what has achieved the greatest success in the last uh, year meaning how many? Have, what's brought the most franchises in in the last year, or what has the most number of franchises overall? Subway's on all those lists, and Subway's the most heavily litigated franchise in the history of franchising. Really, doesn't mean it's
2: making people. sick. is the food making people sick? No,
3: no, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly over territory type of things. Oh, okay,
4: but. Adrian, is there a legitimate rating system that you would recommend for someone interested in going into franchise and looking at it, perhaps going by?
2: We're going to have to cover that when we get back from break. This is getting so exciting, so don't go away.
1: Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money. call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business.
0: earn a better job, for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system now in its third edition and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One
1: Total System user shared, this is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com
0: and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com Total Career. success better job better pay better life
1: feeling overworked overwhelmed do you feel like you could use a getaway right about now have we got a show for you. It's called De-Stress Radio, and this show will help you take control of the stress in your life. Join hosts Robin Siegel and Marin Vertock every week. They'll motivate you to attain balance in both your personal and professional life. You'll want to share each episode with those important to you. Listen for De-Stress Radio with Robin and Marin every Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network.
0: to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. This is Ken and Cheryl Dawson with Adrian Lee, and we are just really getting into the nitty gritty here on franchising. Ken, I know you had a question before the break.
4: Yeah, Adrian, um, I kind of asked this before we had a chance to uh, get into a discussion, but let me ask it again if I can. A number of people I've talked to are interested in finding franchises that. Perhaps are those that are legitimate or the best. And I was asking, is there a rating system of any kind that you would recommend that a person look at before they explore the franchise route?
3: Believe it or not, no. And the reason I say that is there are things like the SBA registry, which means the system can be registered on the SBA. It just means really that they've filled out a lot of paperwork. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great franchise. It does mean that all their paperwork is on file and they're easier to get SBA loans on. But it doesn't mean that they're a great franchise, and more importantly, it doesn't mean that it's a good franchise for you. And that's really the big catch in franchising is there are a lot of great franchises. There are a lot of not-so-great franchises. But the big question is, can you really find one that's a good fit for your skills? Because what could be great for you, Ken, could be a disaster for me.
4: Yeah, exactly. And,
3: and vice versa. So it's really and, much more of an issue of becoming your own expert and following a research process, proven research process, to get the information that you need before you ever sign with that franchisor. Yeah, and, and what, that, we're,
4: what we're so concerned about, of course, is that we want to make sure that our clients do not go down these roads with all of these phony expectations and all these uh, wild uh, projections that are just baloney. We just want to make sure they go after legitimate routes that are proven and, and have some, as you say, documentation behind them. Absolutely.
3: Well, the good news is the Federal Trade Commission does require that every franchisor produce their FDD, which is the Franchise Disclosure Document. The interesting thing is it's everything the FTC thinks you need to make a decision, and it's really nothing that I think... I think you need to make a decision. It's great information to have before you sign the franchise agreement, but it doesn't really tell you what a day in your life will be like as a franchisee or what you will need to do to be successful. Where that information comes from, and the real heart and soul and backbone of researching a franchise comes from talking to other franchisees, and the good news about that FDD is that it does list the name and contact information of every single person in that franchise. So before you ever sign an agreement yourself, you have ability the ability to talk to top performers, bottom performers, in-between performers, and hear what they have to say. So I usually ask my clients to ask the franchise or to talk, identify some top performers for them to talk to first. And the reason I say to talk to top performers first is that if you talk to the top performers, I'm not trying to make the franchise sound better than it is. I'm trying to get people to really understand what does it take to be a top performer? What kind of backgrounds did those people have? What is their day like? Because sometimes if they look at a franchise and they happen to call a few people right up front and the franchisee says, oh, yeah, I come in and I wait for the phone to ring because I have a lot of Yellow Pages ad- advertisements out. Well, that, those people may be all of the bottom performers. The top performers may be out hustling every day and out making cold calls and networking and meeting with clients or potential clients. So it's really important to know at the beginning what do the top performers do.
4: And Adrian, that is exactly the point we make. in, in our chapter on uh, independent options, that you know, oftentimes people sit back and watch a franchisee and say, "Oh boy, that's easy. You know, they're just sitting around and uh, not doing." what we need to communicate to our listeners is that franchising is hard work. It is very, very difficult and really requires a huge amount of stamina and preparation research and all the rest of it. Uh, Your thoughts along those lines?
3: I agree wholeheartedly. I had someone put it to me really well. When you're starting a business, it's a little bit like watching a jet plane take off. When it's still sitting on the ground, it's starting to rev up and make, make a lot of engine noise. And when it really starts taking off, there's even more engine noise. And it's those engines are really revving high. It's only once you're up and running and in the flight pattern that you can back off of those engines. And it's very much like that in starting a business. If you're not willing to put that hard work and time and effort in at the beginning, it's very hard to ever get off the ground.
2: Exactly. And I think that... Um... You know, it helps an individual to see. You know, what are the activities at the front end? They might really enjoy those, but they may not enjoy the day to day of the ongoing operations. They may want to hire somebody to do that, and maybe their game plan is more multiple franchises in multiple regions.
3: That's true, and the flip side is also true because there's. If you were going to own multiple units, you might really enjoy that idea or the ongoing effort of. Scouting locations, negotiating leases, building it out, hiring people, getting it up and running, putting your systems in place, and then you get bored. Mm So the question on that flip side comes, well, would you be willing to work in a place for the first six months, knowing that if you had to go to a retail environment, for example, for the rest of your life every day, you'd be bored out of your mind. Mm -hmm. But would you be willing to do it for the first, and I pick six months for no particular reason, for the first period of time? because you certainly want to know what that business is about. Right. For really and know to what the
2: clientele is like, too.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then go build your second one and your third one. But you have to ask yourself, am I willing to, in the short run, work in it, work in the business before oh. I go work
2: on the business? Well, what you started with, Adrian, I think is really important for our listeners to realize that there's a lot of due diligence that goes first in terms of what your needs are and what your expectations are and what will... Um, you know, hit your hot button, and then what is the best kind of franchise? What is the investment? Uh, Looking at the ones who are successful. So there's a whole series of steps to the due diligence that that I can see.
3: Absolutely. And beyond that, you also want to visit the franchisors' corporate headquarters, meet the people that will be your support team, see what the corporate culture is like. And you definitely want to have the documents reviewed by a franchise attorney. And I if, I have had clients where I will sit down and jump up and down and do anything I can until they understand. I do mean franchise attorney. Getting any regular attorney, oh, but I have a friend who's a transactional attorney, and it's a little bit like getting called up on wor- Murder 1 charges and bringing your divorce
2: attorney. Exactly. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier a little bit about funding, and I'd like to get into that in a little bit more detail because. You know, uh, $25,000 or $50,000 for some people is still a lot of money. They may not have that as pocket change. So what are some of the uh, uh, financing options uh, okay. for an individual?
3: Yeah, most people these days don't have anywhere near that, particularly just in a accessible checking or savings account where a lot of people do have that kind of money maybe in an IRA or a 401K. And so one of the places where we're finding a lot of executives, particularly in today's economy, taking their money from is from those 401Ks, their IRAs. But there's a way of doing that to start a business with no penalties and no taxes. And basically the short version of how you do that is you create your own company's 401K program roll your funds over from your existing IRA or 401K into your company-owned 401K, and then you direct your company 401K to invest in your own company's privately held stock. And I will say that that's a very highly simplified explanation, and you really need help from one of the specialists that does that on a day-in, day-out basis. There's about four national firms that are great at doing that. But, but, okay, but that is an option, so that's good to know. With no taxes and no penalties, and that's available for to start any kind of business. Doesn't, it has a lot of rules and regulations that go with it, but you can do that to start any kind of business at all. So that's frequently where people come up with the initial, let's call it 40, 50000 whatever the dollar number may be, that they need to start because those funds are also not borrowed from anywhere. They're unencumbered funds. They're your cash to invest in the business. So beyond that, there are still SBA loans available. And the SBA has made things easier in some regards because they're guaranteeing 90% of the loans these days and they're waiving the fees. So that makes it a much less expensive
2: option than it used to be when it had a lot of the fees attached to it pre-March. But but, that's just a guarantee. You still have to find a bank who will loan those, right? So So how is that process right now with the bank capital? There's fewer banks that are doing it. But there are banks
3: that are making loans, um, and particularly in the world of franchising, there are banks that are making loans. Again, franchisors, franchising in general provides a lot more safety and security. So if a bank has an opportunity to loan on loan number one and it's a startup franchise or loan number two that's the sale of an existing business, they may actually choose to fund the franchise instead of the existing business because the franchise has a greater track record, and they know the franchisor will be around to support it. The existing business, on the other hand, may still have trouble getting financing and may still look at the owner having to finance that business, because if that owner isn't there, what's going to be there to support the new buyer in that business?
4: Mm -hmm. Adrian, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm in Jackson Hole, and of course, you're familiar with this area. I had an opportunity to visit this morning with a veteran who was exploring options, and I asked him about franchising, and he said, Are you kidding? In Jackson Hole, this is perhaps the most expensive town in the entire United States. So share with our listeners the importance of locating where perhaps it's not as expensive or, if it is expensive, uh, how that uh, extra return is going to pay off in terms of uh, uh, revenue.
3: You know, I think it's really still the finding the fit for the market. And I know you mentioned this in your book as well, that you really just finding a good franchise is not the only trick in all of this. It's also finding the right franchise for the right market. I was talking to a Mexican food franchisor that's very successful out in California and saying, when are, I'm from California, and I would w- love to have them out here in Texas. And was talking to them saying, when are you going to come here? And they said, when all other 49 states are sold out. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason is Texas has been very hard on Mexican food franchises.
4: Yes, exactly. They have
3: not succeeded very well here. Oh, so. well, I
2: wouldn't expect that with all the Mexican food we have. Well,
3: but maybe it's the independent competition. Maybe it's, I guess. I, I don't know what that is. All I can tell you is that's for what they told me.
2: So. Well, I'll keep that in mind when I'm looking at my franchising <laughs> options. But before we get to the close and uh, leave the investment um, aspect or the uh, uh, finding the funding. Um, the other possibility is for the franchiser to provide financing. Is that sometimes available? In, in rare cases. Um, rare, huh? Yeah, they,
3: they are pretty rare because fran- that's really what franchisors are looking for when they start. You know, if you're going to be company-owned, corporate-owned the way Starbucks went, then you end up coming up with your own money. One of the reasons to go into franchising to begin with is using other people.
2: Good point. Yeah. How about having those relationships with the bankers, though, that might help facilitate finding? Absolutely. I always tell my clients that if the franchisor has any
3: bankers that they recommend, use them. They already know the deal, and they can walk it through much more easily than having to try and educate a new banker on a new deal. You could be an up-and-running
2: Faster than you ever dreamed, right? That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of that, usually what is the time frame from the first, you know, having the concept of I would like to buy a franchise to actually making that happen? What time period should we allow?
3: Typically that from the time I first meet with someone to the time that they sign an agreement, it's about two to three months. And it takes people that long really just to get comfortable with the idea. Most people will tell me that they really did all the research in about 40 hours total by the end of the day.
2: Wow, I think that's fast. I'm impressed.
3: If you think about what the process is, you're talking to the franchisor, you're talking to franchisees, you visit the franchisor, you get your financing. It's it's not that fast. What's, what even takes the two to three months is, I think, a self-adjustment concept in terms of seeing yourself in that business and just getting comfortable. You know, for most people, it's like getting up on the high dive board you got to get comfortable with it before you can take that jump.
2: Well, when you consider that it can take 3 or more months to place in a market like this, job market like we're seeing, that's pretty quick. It is pretty quick. Yeah. So when we come back from break, we've got some more interesting things to discover about franchising, so we'll see you in a few minutes.
1: sell buy buy sell all we talk about is money talk to an expert call now now toll free 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 voice america America Business. business Earn a better job, for better pay, and
0: achieve a better life. With Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition, and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or
1: career a reality. One Total System user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com
0: and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the Total Career Success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and Total Career Success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success, better job, better pay, better life.
5: Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition says that personal leadership the desire to take charge of your life is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology. The key to personal transformation exquisite performance and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on leadership intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio. Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership intuitions, power, achievement, relationships.
0: listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Air at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. This is Ken and Cheryl Austin with Adrian Lee, business broker and franchise consultant. And we've covered a lot of important ground already, um, but we want to get in a little bit more detail about developing that business model. Can you speak to that, Adrian? Sure.
3: I've mentioned kind of in, as an overview your own skills and talents and interests and goals, but there's some additional things when you're trying to pick which kind of franchise. And one is how mature is that franchise? And a lot of people really want that mature, proven product. And the good news about the mature, proven franchise system is they have done it a thousand times before. They've got very well-established systems. There's not going to be any guesswork in it. The bad news is try and find a good location in that system. The good locations are probably gone. And if you can find a location, your territory is going to be minuscule. And beyond that, if you want to have any ability to innovate, you can pretty much forget it in those established systems. On the other side of the coin, if you look at a brand-new franchise system, you can have the whole Houston market. You could have the whole Wyoming territory. You know, the territory is wide open, and the growth opportunity is enormous, but it is a little bit more of that risk-and-reward kind of ratio where you're going to have a lot higher risk with that because if you're going to be the first franchisee in that system or even the fifth franchisee in that system – How much experience do they really have in developing their best practices? So you really have to wonder, they may have done well in this business when it was their own business, but how well are they going to be able to convey that information to me as a franchisee? Because when people go into franchising from what may have been a successful business, they're no longer in that business. They're in the training business. Franchising is really a training and customer support, meaning franchisee support business. So Where does someone fit on that scale? If we talk about brand new franchise is a 1, very mature franchise is a 10, where do you fit on that scale? That would be one consideration. I think another one is, do you want one unit, many units, or do you want to be an area developer? And if the most frequent way that someone starts is with one unit or one territory if people are interested and know that eventually they want to have multiple units, franchisors are certainly willing to make that more attractive by discounting the franchise fee. If you sign an agreement to purchase multiple units up front, it's much easier for them to manage 100 franchisees who each own five units than 500 franchisees. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So that's another possibility. And area development is what I see more of the senior-level executives, C-level type executives go into. It's a little bit like being a sub-franchisor where... You get the territory rights to all of a city, for example, and then you're responsible
2: for bringing other franchisees into that system and providing the local support. And they're accustomed to do that from uh, where they're coming out of, too, typically. So it's closer to their skill set. It, it can be closer to their skill set, and it can also be a bigger opportunity. It's,
3: they're more expensive opportunities. You're buying that whole territory. But you also get to share in both the ongoing royalty stream and the upfront franchise fee with the franchisor for that. So it can be a very, very lucrative area of franchising also.
2: You mentioned earlier the importance of looking at uh, or evaluating and talking with some of the um, franchise owners already um, that have a track record. And one of the questions that comes to mind is regarding the fast-growing franchises. You know, and is that going to continue? Is that just, you know the upward curve, and then it's going to level off, and how do you evaluate that?
3: You know, I kind of like the fast-growing franchises because franchising is a game of building that critical mass. So if you have a franchise that comes off the block and really starts building momentum quickly, that's a good thing. That shows that they do have a tendency to have that staying power because they can get through their first years, their first what can be rough years as a franchisor. So the fast-growing franchises typically means we see a need for the, in the
2: marketplace and we have a system that's working and we're developing the critical mass. The other question, though, is, is does that that corporate entity that's developing it, do they have the staying power? What is the depth of their expertise and their talent and their support?
3: And that's one of the things that you want to look at when you're evaluating the franchise to begin with, and that is one of the nice pieces of information that is in that FDD, is the management experience of the franchisor.
2: Mm -hmm. So that's certainly something else to evaluate as well. Well, another question that comes to mind is what are some of the common mistakes that people will make um, when they go into franchising? Yeah, there's a lot of things in franchising
3: that are really counterintuitive. And oddly, one of the big mistakes that people make is they go into business because they just love the product.
2: Mm-hmm. And doesn't that, seen sounds,
3: that a time or two. <laughs> you know, doesn't that sound like a good idea? I hear, I, I could really sell this thing if I believe in the product yeah. or you know, I really love it, so therefore it ought to be good for everybody. And an example might be in the world of ice cream. You know, I can didn't... go
2: for ice cream. Ice cream for ice <laughs> cream? You got
3: that. <laughs> I love ice cream, too. But now let's think about what that actually means to own an ice cream business. Yeah. You know, there's long hours. If you've got a perishable product. And sure, it's fun to go and looks real busy when everybody's there after the Little League game. But <laughs> what about 2 o'clock in the afternoon in January? And...
4: It- and yeah, one of the things we oh. talk about in the book is people who like to buy a fran- hot dog franchise because they love to eat hot dogs.
3: <laughs> I, I saw that. Exactly. Yes, your your hot dog analogy is my ice cream analogy. It's or
4: they, or they buy a, a bait camp because they love to go fishing. Right, and my
3: example in that is like golfers that go into a golf shop. You exactly. know, exactly. In your example, just because you like fishing, that doesn't mean you're going to like sitting around in the bait shop while all your
2: friends are out fishing. Exactly. So, yeah, unless you're married, you can put your wife to work, right, Ken? <laughs>
4: <laughs> that is exactly right, Cheryl. I'm so happy you brought well, that up. Well, you do up.
2: have to have a passion, though, and it and it can't be just around the product or service, is what you're saying, but also look at the process. You know, what is the business all about? What is well, and happy? I think that's it. Way early on when I started
3: in this business, I heard someone say, you know, passion, smashing. can you make money at it? <laughs> and I think That was a bottom-line guy. <laughs> he was a bottom-line guy. And there, there's a lot of truth to that. If you're not making money at it five years from now, I can promise you, you're not going to be passionate about it anymore. But the truth of the matter is, I want people to wake up and be passionate about what they get to go do every day. And I think a better way of looking at that is if you take a salesperson as an example. Most salespeople really don't care if they're selling art or computers or office supplies. It doesn't make too much difference to them. What is important to them is, I'm out with people, I'm negotiating, it's like a giant game, you Mm -hmm. know, and I want to win. They've got that competitive personality, but they don't care what the product is within reason. Mm-hmm. They want to be proud of it, but they right. don't care what the product is. It's a little bit the same in having your own business. What the widget is is far less important than what you get to go do every day. There was a big layoff here in Houston a while back with waste management, and those people really understood that this concept, you know. Okay, you just told me you loved your job. Were, were you passionate about waste? <laughs> you
2: know,
3: that's not it. It's These are what you greenies
2: get. that are in waste management. <laughs>
3: there you go.
4: Adrian, in addition to being a franchise consultant, you're also a business broker. For our listeners, uh, help them with perhaps buying a business, not necessarily franchise, but a business that's for sale. Some thoughts or suggestions for those that might have an interest in that.
3: I think some of the same things apply. Figure out that business model. What do you want to be doing? Without that, it's really hard to identify what businesses really might be a good fit. And beyond that, I would say really working with a business broker is helpful because if you're going out independently, it's hard enough even working with a business broker to find a business that has been valued properly. You have an owner with reasonable expectations and that you're actually going to be able to get through the closing table and into your own business. So it's very important to have some help going through that process in narrowing the field, finding a good business, and negotiating the deal.
2: And just so we wrap up on the common mistakes before we close here, Adrian, you mentioned the importance of uh, a proven system of research, and then, of course, once you're into that business to be able to follow the systems yeah, if you want to be one of the nine out of ten surviving after ten years. That's right. You know, following the franchise award system is
3: very important. That's the number one cause of franchisee failure. Assuming they've picked the right franchise to begin with is not following the system. So if you're not going to follow the system, why would you go into it to begin with? And whether you're going into an independent business or a franchise having help and going through, again, that proven research process. I just can't emphasize that enough. There's a proven research process in the same way that franchising works because there's a a
2: proven process. Well, I'll bet there's some people out there that would really like to talk to you a little bit further, uh, Adrienne. So how can people get a hold of you if they'd like? Easiest way is on the
3: website. It's uh, just murphybusiness.com or my phone number is 713-917-6838.
2: And just to clarify, your fee comes from the franchisor, right, not Correct. from your client?
3: Correct. There's no charge for my services. I'm like a marketing expense to the franchisors or to business owners. I'm the seller's expense.
2: And you mentioned that you do a lot of seminars and webinars as well. Is, I do. Is that on your website if they have an interest in a webinar? Uh,
3: the webinars are not listed there. As a matter of fact, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Okay,
2: <laughs> there we have a new Here's business idea today. For you. <laughs> well, listen, Adrian, this has been very, very informative. Thank you so much for being with us today. Now, everyone, in, uh, be sure to come be with us next week because we have another fascinating and informative show. And Ken.
4: Adrian, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm sure our listeners are most appreciative of your advice, and I can't thank you enough.
3: Well, thank you for having me. I I enjoyed
2: it. All right. See you all next week.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America.